Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. It is March 5th, 2023. Round one of the Formula One World Championship is now in the books for 2023. That is Mark Daly here and Mr. Mark Hamilton to round up the very first race of this 23 race Formula One calendar. Hammy, after all the weeks and months of waiting, it is finally over and boy, do we have a lot of things to to talk about. But how are you doing this evening, my friend? All you, you feeling kind of like a little sort of like opening round hangover all the weeks and months of anticipation are you are you feeling good tonight let's reflect back on our text messaging between each other a little bit earlier today uh, <laughs> i wasn't uh, i wasn't in a great frame of mind following this race to be totally honest and i had to keep i had to keep stopping and reflecting on a comment that i made to all of our listeners on the show a couple of weeks ago which was don't take too much from this race. Don't take too much. Don't get too excited. Don't get too down. So I'm really going to lean into my own recommendations from a couple of weeks ago and, and try to try to get through this podcast in a better frame of mind than I was certainly feeling a little bit earlier. But all of that said, you know, there were a number of different storylines here and there's certainly some interesting things to talk about. So I think we can get right to it. But my friend, how the heck are you? I'm good, man. It's been a, a busy but enjoyable weekend, and Formula One has uh, just really been the, the the cherry on top, the icing on the cake. So excited to get this one going, but also kind of enjoying the 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 weekend wrapping up and just uh, taking it into the start of the new week in a nice uh, nice and relaxed uh, sort of way. Okay, so where do we want to start? Should we just uh, why don't we just go down the final race classification because that will nicely kind of frame where we want to go with this. So the top ten for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez coming home 1-2 for the first Red Bull uh, double podium 1-2 finish of the year. Then you had Fernando Alonso, the two-time world champion from 2005-2006 in, uh, do we want to call it a shock podium? Because he certainly had the pace uh, throughout the weekend, throughout winter testing. So great to see the two-time world champion on the podium again for the first time in many, many years. Then Carlos Sainz came home fourth for Ferrari. Lewis Hamilton fifth for Mercedes. 86 was Lance Stroll, the second Aston Martin. So a double point finish for the first race of the year for the, the Aston Martins. George Russell was seventh, and then eighth was uh, Valtteri Bottas for Alfa Romeo. Pierre Gasly scoring points in his debut for Alpine. And then coming home in P10, Alex Albon for Williams, which was a pretty solid uh, result for them. And then also his teammate, rookie Logan Sargent, the American coming home in P12. Now, that is one of the stories that I wanted to talk about the, this weekend. Obviously, maybe not the biggest one, but a very good showing for Williams this weekend and a, a sign of respectability, which is uh, great to see. 
So, Hammy, what do we want to talk about here? Because we had, um, well, well, let's just kind of set it up. We had uh, an all Red Bull uh, front row, Max and Sergio lining up one, two. Then two Ferraris, uh, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Fernando Alonso and George Russell lined up on row three. Lewis Hamilton and Lance Stroll on row four. And then row five was the unfortunate Esteban Alcon, who spent more times going in and out of the pits today for... For one penalty after another and then being penalized for it and then being penalized for not serving the previous penalty p- properly. I think he got penalized <laughs> at least three times today. It was a little bit crazy. And then uh, finally P10 or starting 10th on row five uh, was uh, Nico Hulkenberg on his return to Formula One uh, this time for Haas. So Hammy. With all that Red Bull, uh, in Red my- Bull, Red Bull. Let's start with <laughs> Red Bull. So, and I'm gonna yes. ju- I'm gonna jump right in here because I'm eager to talk about this. So, Red Bull finished 39 seconds ahead of Aston Martin, who of course scored that wonderful podium today, and I do look forward to talking about that. They scored. They were 48 seconds ahead of Signs, and they were 51 seconds ahead of Mercedes. So, all the flowers all the gifts, all the praise to Red Bull that they seemingly have taken everything that they did last year and seemingly bettered it, which I think is a phenomenal testament to everything that they're doing in that factory in Milton Keynes. Um, But I think, unfortunately, and this is, I think, maybe the reason I was a little bit negative in our our group chat a little bit earlier today is – my, my hope was that the field was going to be a little bit closer. And again, Mark Hamilton, one race. We're one race in. But the, the race pace of Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez today was astonishing. They were absolutely miles ahead of the rest of the field. And George Russell, following the race, had made some comments about the fact that he expects them to win every single Grand Prix this year, which is which is a little bit alarming. And I'm sure in the heat of the moment, after a disappointing seventh place finish, you're probably going to feel that way. But I think my main concern here is one, it's problematic that we're now moving into, I guess this is year two of the new regulations and year three of the cost cap. And we still have one specific team that is miles ahead of the rest of the field, right? And the technical, the technical regulations and and the new era of chassis development and the cost cap were supposed to bring the field a little bit closer together. And you made that great point earlier when we were chatting in our group chat that, hey, take out Red Bull and let's have a conversation about the rest of the field. And was that a good race? And you could maybe make an argument it wasn't terrible, but if you just look at this as as a complete race classification, Red Bull dominated the field. And unfortunately, I worry, and I, I know it's only Sunday, March 5th, that we're still sitting here in the winter, but I worry that this is going to be a common thread throughout the rest of the season. And that furthermore, this will be a common thread through 24 and 25 until we get to 26 and it's a total reset. So all the praise to the Milton squad team. They looked absolutely phenomenal today. Absolutely phenomenal. Didn't step a foot wrong. Well, again, I mean, they, they had the right strategy. The car was good. There was, uh, you know, there were no issues with the reliability. I know that uh, Max made a couple of comments uh, throughout the race, but I have to, you know, ask the question, did either Sergio or Max actually break a sweat in this one? I mean, Sergio, maybe at the, the, the beginning of the race, because he had that terrible start where it looked like he was going to go backwards through the field there for a moment because uh, he, he was lucky he only got passed by one Ferrari because it was uh, nearly uh, both of them, but he recovered uh, nicely. But anyhow, 
Kawa, I wanted just to address those, uh, you know, the comments that you made about uh, George Russell. And I just want to read them out um, because I've got them up here in front of me. So George said after the race, quote, Red Bull has got this championship sewn up. I don't think anyone is going to be fighting with them this year. I expect they should win every single race this season. That is my bet. But the performance they've got, I don't see anyone challenging them. Their pace seems weaker this weekend than it was in testing, which is a bit of a bit strange. But, you know, they've got it easy at the moment and they can do what they like. Uh, they might not get on pole all of the time because we know that the Ferrari are very competitive in qualifying. But when it comes to race pace, I think they're in a very, very strong position. And quote, you know, I, I find this interesting because I find it a little bit ironic to hear this come from the mouth of a, a Mercedes driver, albeit one that wasn't there for that, uh, you know, prolonged run of domination from 2014 to basically 20 halfway through 2021, if you want to maybe be a little bit generous there so for for better on six or seven years they were the team that were basically winning every race that 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 season but he makes a very very good point in the fact that they still have this really really strong pace even though it might not be as quick as it was in winter testing a, a week ago but Again, it it is the first race of the, the the season, and as much as I was a little bit disappointed to see how easy they made it look, that we still have twenty two races to go, and anything probably can and will happen, you know. And, and that's why I said in the group chat to, today, guys, you know, let's just take them out of the out of the conversation, and let's uh, take a look at some of the other things that we saw happen. I mean, Lewis and Fernando had a great scrap on the track. I mean, the the, the Aston Martins were exciting to watch. The Mercedes boys were mixing it up. We we saw action all up and down the field it's just like you say it's unfortunate that there was this gap of 30 something odd seconds between you know the the, the red bulls at the and front and fernando I, I would alonso add too it could have been significantly more it was pretty clear that by lap 40 max was absolutely just managing his tires and managing yeah. the race and i think probably by lap 42, 43, they had significantly detuned that power unit just to just to conserve that internal combustion engine for the rest of the season so they don't take any early penalties for swapping through their allocation. But they were they were shockingly good today. And and it's weird, it's like this weird sensation of having to balance the praise for this team, but also the sense that they're so good that it could be damaging to the championship. And all of that said, though, I mean, we went through this in 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, right? And Formula One survived, but I just, I don't think it's good that these these mechanisms that Liberty brought in, including the cost cap and the new and the new technical regulations were just supposed to bring the field a little bit closer together. And hopefully you're right, there's 22 Grand Prix left. Anything can happen. This is a unique track. It's a high deg track. We're going to Jeddah in two weeks, which is a very different type of track with some very, very high speed corners, a, a much smoother, less abrasive circuit or surface. So again, the results could be different, but at this point, it's it's hard to it's hard to imagine anybody else winning a Grand Prix this year. And you know, you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago about the fact that hey, this is probably going to be the year that Lewis wins another Grand Prix. He didn't win win one last year, but based on the trajectory that Mercedes were on last year, uh, they're probably going to win multiple races this year, right? Like George won in Brazil, and Lewis almost won in Austin. That they're probably going to win a couple of races, and not so sure anymore. And maybe that's the perfect pivot because I want to save the good stuff for last 
blast. Like I'm super excited to talk <laughs> about Alonzo as you are, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's probably worth talking about or transitioning over to Mercedes that as much praise as, as you can throw at the Milton Keynes Red Bull squad, I think we're probably all just left with a, a, a total, a total, I don't know, like period of like confusion and, and, and frustration that we want multiple teams contending for a title. And we, we got a sense during practice that, that Mercedes probably wasn't it yet, but I get the sense that this team is, is in a really, really bad, bad place from a development perspective. And there was a great quote here today from Total Wolf. This was reported through the German press. And Total Wolf says, there was not a single positive thing we can take from this race. We're lacking pace. The drivers have to push and that's hurting the tires. Red Bull is on another planet. Aston Martin has the second quickest car. It was a real wake up call for us. So my friend, my question for you is, here we are, we're now one race into the 2023 Formula One Championship. They came back with that zero pod design. And whether it's that that's not working or something else on this car, what does that wake-up call lead to if you're Mercedes? Like, you have to be happy with your driver lineup, but where do you go from here? Yeah, and that's where it becomes like a head-scratcher for me, honestly, Mark, because I would have thought that the the, the wake-up call probably should have been, what, maybe Spain 2022? Yes, you, you yes. Know, like, 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 honestly, right? Because, I mean... As much as I admire like their commitment to this uh, design philosophy that they, they've come up with that they introduced last year on the W13, it clearly hasn't worked out the way that they wanted. So I, I know that they committed and stuck through it last year because they thought that they, they could they could get the car to perform the way that they wanted. Once they once they eliminated the, the, the porpoising issue, they thought they could do something with it. But I was surprised that even though they did eke out some performance gains here and there by the end of the season, they, they weren't light years of climb back that delta between themselves and Red Bull. So when they came back and introduced the W14 this year, which looked like almost an identical carbon copy to last year's car, I was like, really surprised that they did that because I, I you know and especially when you hear like this you know the, the the chatter saying that well you know if this car doesn't pan out that we've got plans for a, a completely you know radical new car to go if this one doesn't pan out we're prepared to jump on that pretty quick so and and that's that to me that seems very un Mercedes like because in the past whenever they've had issues they seem to have been very decisive this is the problem this is what we're going to work on. It was basically 24-7, you know, solve the problem. And I know we're in a cost cap year now compared to what was even just a couple of years ago. But it, it's just the it, it's the language and the the, the stance that they're kind of taking. It, it's, it's very to be, I wouldn't say wishy-washy, but it's not very decisive. And that to me seems very un-Mercedes-like. So if this weekend wasn't a wake-up call for them, and if they do have these rumored plan B plans for another car... I would be digging those things out of the filing cabinet or wherever they're keeping them and get that thing dialed up pretty quick because it looks like Aston is for real. I mean, Lance uh, obviously was, what, PH or something like that? And th this is a guy that just uh, had surgery on his wrist uh, two weeks ago. and P6, was P6, P6. I mean, P6 and a P3 for both Astons. I, I thought they looked really good. I kept asking the question, as good as Fernando looked today, I couldn't help but wonder how much better it could Lance have been because even though he cleared all those medical tests, you can't tell me. And if I was talking to Lance right now, I'd be like, come on, buddy, be a hundred percent honest with me. Like how close are you to a hundred percent today? And I, I'm sure that Lance would probably admit, 
he, he might uh, tell you like like exactly where he's at. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm not at my you know my 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 peak. You know, I I am not right where I need to be. But going back to uh, Mercedes, I I think that that uh, that that wake up call has come and gone, and I think that they need to do something like yesterday to get it uh, turned around, or else this season is going to well. I mean, Red Bull is you know a completely different question, but if Aston is for real and if Ferrari get things uh, figured out, then. <laughs> you know they could find themselves being the fourth fi- uh, quickest uh, car on the grid and that is very unmercedes like daily you make a really great point about them having this plan be up their sleeve ready to go because that total kind of talked about that during winter testing right that yeah. hey we have this plan b if it doesn't work out but what what did you see during the off season like what did you see in the wind tunnel and when you were running your your CFD models like what did you see that made you confident in the W14 as it is right now and that that's where I'm confused because you've seen vast yes. transformation of other yes. teams and we'll get to Aston Martin but Aston Martin pivoted hugely towards the Red Bull design philosophy they're Totally cool, hundred ha- percent. That that's what happens, and that's how Formula One works. And clearly, it's worked for them. But but Mercedes seems to be doubling down in this design formula that didn't work for them last year, and clearly isn't working for them now. So to your point, like if they have a plan B, obviously I, I don't know if you're going to be able to roll it out for Jeddah because I don't know where those parts are, and I don't know where they're in the development and the build cycle. But you need to you need to be ready to go for Australia, like that Plan B car. Like you have nothing to lose right now. You are not contending for a world championship, and you are certainly not contending for race wins. That if there is a Plan B, execute that Plan B because you have nothing to lose. I, I think that is a phenomenal point, Mark. That uh, that, that you make is like, what do they see in the wind tunnel testing, the CFD data this year compared to like the last year? Because obviously they thought last year when they got out of the, the the factory and out of the design shop to the track that this was a car that was going to do something good that was going to be on par or better than any of the cars that came before it, and it didn't. And they they struggled with it to, to try and get their mind around it all season long. It looked like to, towards the end of the year that they were finally getting it uh, figured out but then th- that that's the thing now i mean i think that is the key question like what is different with the, this design philosophy this time this year compared to this time last year with a year's worth of real world data under your belt that you've had like an entire winter to analyze and throw into the design and build of this new car i, I think that's that's a great question it's just like but then again it's like how how much longer more do you wait before you decide once and for all that we got to pull the plug on this and then maybe go on a more divergent path or convergent path daily, towards daily. the Red and, Bull, right? And, and this is the kicker, man. While you're positing and while you're stumbling and while you're bumbling, Red Bull is working <laughs> on upgrades too. Like they are oh, going to exactly. bring multiple yeah. upgrades. It's not like the like obviously there, there was a wind tunnel penalty. We all get that, and maybe yeah. that would have hampered some of their their, their design goals. But they are still going to roll out multiple upgrades this year. It's not like their design their their design and engineering team is frozen. That they have their their wrists handcuffed. They will continue to roll out upgrades this year. So you are very much very much on on the back foot, my friend. And it's it's a it's a little bit scary, my friend. 
Do you have anything else about Mercedes or should we go on to Aston Martin or Ferrari? Because I think there's I, lots I to talk about I, with both of them. I, yeah, please. Th- this is kind of like, a, th- this will be like a blanket statement. I mean, I'm only going to bring it up now. I could have brought it up uh, when we were still just talking about Red Bull. But I just kind of wonder how long, like if we see Red Bull go and knock it out of the park again and have like this huge gap between themselves and everyone else after Jeddah, after Australia, after the first two, three rounds of the season, when are the, you know, the, 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 discontented voices throughout the paddock going to start piping up and saying the penalty that they got last year wasn't enough. They are living off of ill-gotten gains from this overspend is clearly a development on last year's car, which you know, we think is illegitimate. You know, it should have never been allowed. And, you know, then the, like not only do we have like doubts on the legitimacy of like that car and that championship and all the results from last year because they breached the cap, they've been able to improve upon it. They're even better. We're like, we're not in a position to catch up to them. Because even though they've had that penalty, we you know we still are spending within the, the the cost cap, and it's not fair. Like you know, I haven't heard that yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like especially in two weeks after Jeddah, if we see something similar, that you know the usual suspects might start piping up in the media, and I, I'm just kind of saying, well. Let's like how long before that conversation starts in the media? I'm sure it's happened behind closed doors. My my response to that is similar to what uh, we talked about a lot last summer, which was the the penalties for a cost cap breach were agreed upon by all the teams. And it doesn't yep. mean that there won't be whining and complaining because there sure was a lot of it last summer. That that's for <laughs> sure. And. And I, I would say that normally the folks that you would probably hear from being Total Wolf and 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 uh, Zach Brown, I think they've got their hands full with their own cars, man. Like what we saw out of what we saw out of McLaren today and what we saw out of Mercedes, like they have they've got their own world of problems right now. But yeah, I, I would agree that they're if not from the paddock, then from the media for sure, people will start questioning whether that penalty was significant enough or not. But then again, those penalties were outlined in the financial regulations and all of the teams signed up for that. So it is what yeah. it is. Is just sort of sit back and grab the popcorn because I, I think it's just a question of time before this uh, this bubbles up to the surface and becomes like a public conversation again. Anyways, I do want to go on to Aston Martin. I want to talk about them. I want to talk about Ferrari. Got to talk about the McLaren hype machine and the disappointing outing <laughs> that we saw today because that's kind of like another thing we were talking about uh, earlier today as well. Do that in a moment. We're going to just hop away for a quick uh, message from our sponsor. So don't go away. We'll be back on the flip side. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everyone, welcome back. Mark Squared here to break down the first race of the season. We've already been through Mercedes. We've been through Red Bull. The story of the day, though, uh, in terms of drives and people that weren't in a Red Bull would be the Aston Martins of Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll, P3 and P6 uh, for the two racing green, British racing green cars, which, you know, honestly, now that I've seen all the cars together in one place at one time, I think that uh, Aston Martin is, you know, to me, it's the best looking car on the grid. Although I did have a bit of a complaint, especially in the night race from distance. It was a little bit difficult at times to make out which was the Aston Martin, which was the Mercedes. They, you know, that British racing green being so dark at night at certain angles looked like it was uh, almost black. But anyways, I mean, just uh, from a, uh, you know, a, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful uh, looking car. Anyways, Hammy, you wanted to talk about Aston Martin. Your turn to run away with it. Let's, I want to hear your thoughts. Well, let's let's jump into this, right? That this is this Aston Martin, the AMR. Is it AMR twenty three? I've, I've got to get I've, I've got to get all of this dialed in. But the AMR twenty three, <laughs> obviously, yeah. this is the the third year that that Silverstone based squad has has raced as the Aston Martin team. And I think in twenty one and twenty two, you and I were you and I were climbing the mountains with Bell, singing the praises of Lawrence Stroll and everything that he was doing with that team. And I think both of those seasons were somewhat uh, or largely or very very disappointing but there was a different vibe around that team at, at winter testing this year and I think part of the vibe was that they'd signed up Fernando Alonso and that was obviously a, a big story last summer when he got that big multi-year deal worth tens of millions of dollars from Lawrence Stroll and he was kind of stolen away from from a team in Alpine that thought they were they had kind of had him under lock and key but I, I think one of the things that's exciting about Fernando Alonso is you can never for even a second challenge his commitment on track. And I think you and I sitting here throughout the winter kept referencing back to the fact that if there's anything to be gotten out of the AMR 23, out of that Aston Martin, he will get every ounce of power, every ounce of performance out of the car, and then some. And, and we saw, obviously, the two Aston Martins qualify really well and then both of them executed actually to be fair during the the formation lap lance looks a little shaky when he goes a little deep <laughs> on on turn 10 i'm shaking my yeah. head and then when he made contact with his teammate a little bit later um, i was shaking my head still and i was a little bit frustrated but they look absolutely exceptional and it's funny because there was comments throughout the week from total wolf that this that that, that the aston martin is half mercedes mercedes pa power unit mercedes gearbox mercedes rear suspension and then at the same time there's comments coming out of the red bull camp that it's half red bull um helmet marco said on sky sports germany that several engineers had actually left for red bull with aston martin uh or for aston martin with dan fellows and he said unquote in german it looks like they all have a very good memory so it's funny how you have these two <laughs> other teams on the grid that are taking partial ownership of of aston martin but they are making me eat crow because i sat here for the past two years talking 
talking smack about customer teams and customer teams not being able to compete in a meaningful way uh, with a works team. And here's Aston Martin, and it's early. We're one race into the 2023 championship, but they made Mercedes look terrible. And and Fernando Alonso was worth every cent that he's being paid on that contract. And we don't really know what the contract is, but he looks exceptional and, and you, you hear that term that verb sometimes like oh he was really racy today which meant that he was a little mm-hmm. bit aggressive he was exceptional and he was fighting and fighting and fighting and and in doing so you learned a lot about the aston martin as well you you learned about how well mannered it is in corners you learned how deep you could go into a corner with without jumping on the brakes, like the brakes in that car are exception, which show, which means that the cooling for the brakes is, is really good. And they're extracting seemingly more power out of that Mercedes power unit than, than Mercedes is. And I think that you have the uh, effectively like total wolf says the Aston Martin, which is half Mercedes and it's running circles around the Mercedes. And really the only principal difference is aerodynamics. Like that just reinforces the fact that Mercedes is very clearly directionally going in the wrong direction but all all the kudos in the world to Lawrence Stroll, Mike Crack, Dan Fellows, all the engineers that came over from Red Bull, uh Lance Stroll, Fernando Alonso, like all the praise to that Silverstone team because they seem to have made a meaningful change. They're 2 seconds a lap quicker than they were this time last year. They look exceptional and I promise you this won't be the only podium that Alonso has this year and I would expect to see Lance score podiums this year. Now all of that said and I kind of wanted your perspective on this as well and I'm eager to hear your your feedback and your thoughts about Aston Martin I still don't think Lance Stroll should have been out there I I think what we learned in free practice was that he simply isn't a hundred percent in terms of being able to maneuver that car on the track and I think had and somebody else had made this comment on Twitter or another podcast but they made this point that had Aston Martin not looked so good in winter testing he probably waits it out till Jeddah right? Like you're going to take that break, but I think he got a case of FOMO sitting there at the hospital in Spain and watching Felipe Dragovic just like cane that car around the track in Sahir because it was so good. I think there was a case of FOMO, but ultimately, you know what? He qualified well and he finished P6 and I don't know what more you could have asked for him. He, he split the two Mercedes. He finished a spot ahead of George Russell. What a great weekend. What a great result for Aston Martin. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, I echo those sentiments, uh, Mark. Like, I really questioned uh, whether or not Lance uh, should have been in the car this uh, this weekend. I mean, I, I don't question his dedication or his toughness or anything like that. But it's just like it comes down to just a safety question you know, issue. It's like, is you know, even though he's passed all those safety and like uh, protocols or health checks, whatever you want to call it, set set up by Aston Martin, set up by uh, the FIA, etc. He passed all of those. It's just like it. It's still. You know, two hours almost under grueling circumstances, it, it, it's got to wear on a person. I mean, if you're only two weeks removed from that, but I, I agree exactly with what you say. But in general, a P3 and a P6 for Aston Martin, great result. I mean, you know, if you go back and listen over the years since this team rebranded right from the beginning, both you and I were, we, we were like, this, this is the team we really want to see succeed. We had big expectations for them and they've underwhelmed and they've disappointed. I mean, this time last year, it was just like, whew, you know, after a couple of races, we we're like, this is not looking good. We get to get to, I believe it was Spain last year to in, in, in Barcelona for the Spanish Grand Prix. They introduced the upgraded car there 
And it showed some signs here and there, but it wasn't like this, this immediate performance gain of like a second or a second and a half. I mean, they've had to work at it. And I was very, very surprised to see the, the, the times that Fernando and Felipe Drugovic were putting in during winter testing 10 days ago or whenever it was. And I was really quite uh, excited about that. But I'm like, well, it's winter testing. Take it with a pinch of salt because we don't know how they, you know, because everybody's doing different things and they're not necessarily in race trim. They're not exactly all running in the same configuration. So it's like, how do you really bench? What, what, what's the benchmark to compare everyone else against each, each other? But just turns of, of pace, they seemed racy, pacey, right? But uh, th- this weekend, it was just uh, impressive to to watch. And then it was great to see Fernando and and, and Lance, even though Lance uh, obviously had a bit of a moment there, not just on the opening lap or the uh, the warm up lap, uh, but also on the the opening lap when he went a little bit hot into one of those corners and accidentally tagged Fernando's right rear tire. And Fernando lost a position or two there. And I mean, the the, the commentary was at the point is like, well, d- does he have a puncture in his right rear tire? I mean, fortunately, it worked out uh, for for both of them. You know. In the long run, it worked out even you know even better because you know Fernando got onto the podium. But it's great to see, and I find Fernando is such a I don't know confusing figure because at times over the years I've loved him and I've hated him. I mean, to me, he's sort of like the quintessential anti-hero. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what other way to 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 really describe the guy because I mean it's a little bit beyond, you know, it's a rabbit hole where you don't really need to go down to, but I mean, you either love him or, or, or hate him for various reasons. But today it was apparent that despite being 41 years old, I mean, he has not lost any pace. I mean, he looked great out there in the car, you know, just dicing and racing with everyone. I thought it was, that was a bit of a juicy scrap that he had with uh, Lewis Hamilton. And I thought it was interesting when he got within about a second or a second and a half, it, it was interesting to hear sort of like I was jumping back and forth on the in-car cameras and listening to their comms on both of them and uh, you know he felt that he had better pace and then it was just like well let's just sit here and see what they do and then he's just like uh well we we He's got uh, more tired uh, Greg, or sorry, tired Deg than we do, and then you know you hear like a uh, you know uh, Bono and uh, Lewis talking that uh, you know uh, well you know our tire management is good, you know the tires look good, so it was kind of funny to see that. But then you kind of had like this little scrap going back and forth, and then you know Fernando passes him, and then Lewis takes the position back right away, and then you know eventually uh, Fernando gets him on a that that one park going into that hairpin, and I guess it's turn ten onto that second DRS zone in the middle of the circuit. That was a great move i you know full full respect to uh, fernando for for pulling that one off and especially on a person like uh, a driver like uh, fernando uh, or sorry lewis hamilton but uh, very exciting to see and i'm glad just in general that just for one race and you know of course we've got 22 to go it's just like at least what we've seen through winter testing the first weekend of the year the aston martin looks like a good car whether or not it remains uh, that way you know, we'll talk about this in two weeks, a month from now, et cetera, as the season goes on. It's it's probably worth revisiting the driver silly season from last year only because it's fun. But we all recall, <laughs> right, that allegedly, apparently, according to Otmar, there was an agreed upon contract on the table between Alpine and Fernando. And he took that secret meeting with Lawrence Stroll and he signed the deal with with Aston Martin. And I think at the time people were probably saying like, that's 
that's a bit of a downgrade in terms of performance, but clearly he signed the right deal. And then subsequent to that, after he departed, of course, Alpine announced that Oscar was going to take take that seat. And of course, then Oscar tweets like, no, I've not agreed to this. I'm going to McLaren. And so he goes to McLaren. But and again, it's it's early, but I also feel like Oscar may have made the worst decision here <laughs> simply because that that McLaren is gonna be a handful and it's gonna be a project all year. And and I think you could make a meaningful argument that they may be a bottom eight team this year. Like they could finish eighth, ninth, yep. probably not tenth, but eighth or ninth in the constructors championship, and nobody would be surprised. And and meanwhile, Alpine, and again, you talked earlier about the fact that Acon, it was just it was a horror day for Acon. Right from right from the opening formation, let's write it off. But again, Gasly qualifying very poorly manages to squeeze into the points that of those three teams, Aston Martin, Alpine, and and McLaren. Right, like if you had a choice of racing for any of those teams, it's going to be Aston Martin. It's going to be Alpine, and then a distant, distant third is going to be McLaren. And I like the word that used hype machine a couple of minutes ago. That this team has been so good at branding and and marketing, but seemingly they from a performance perspective they've fallen off a cliff the the past couple of years and i i certainly don't think we're going to see a ton of ground made up this year but just interesting to see how those how those three drivers fare this year based on the decisions that they made right like they were all completely autonomous in those decisions but it'll be interesting to see how they play out my friend anything else about Aston Martin, and by I also I agree. Do, by the I way, do. just on the, just yeah. on that comment that you made about about Fernando being an anti-hero, I don't think I've ever cheered for him. And I'm not saying I'm a Fernando fan. Somebody's going to go in the the ratings and call me a a Fernando sycophant. But I I, <laughs> I did cheer. Like I I had an audible cheer erupt from my body when he overtook when he overtook Lewis Hamilton today. Like, I just like, this is good for the sport. This is good for him. This is good for Aston Martin. And then I thought it was fantastic to see Lawrence and, uh, and uh, Fernando embrace after the race. I thought that was very, very cool because these two have a significant amount of history. And like somebody had said on the broadcast today, <laughs> if not for the fact that Lewis had five more championships than Fernando, Fernando may have long ago retired that he may simply be going right now because of the spite that he feels towards Lewis Hamilton, but it was really great to see those two embrace after the race. Yeah, that was a cool moment. And there is no doubt about it that uh, Fernando was a very, very polarizing figure. Like I said a few minutes ago, you either love him or hate him. But I was just checking his stats as uh, you were talking there, Mark. So this was, uh, you know, his uh, podium today in Bahrain was his 19th of his career. So the the, the most recent one prior to this one was in uh, 2020. Yeah, in Qatar in 2021. And then before that, you have to go back to 2014, his last season with Ferrari. He scored two podiums uh, that year. He had a third in whereabouts was it? I lost it here. So he had a third in China at the beginning of the year and then he had a second in Hungary. But So one podium away from 100. So the way that it shakes down 
32 race victories, 37 seconds, and 30 third place finishes for the two-time when uh, was, world uh, champion. While you've got those stats up, when was his last Grand Prix victory, just as a point of reference? So his last Grand Prix victory would be in 2013. If you just bear with me, uh, I'll pull that up here in a moment uh, that season. Um, but uh, just uh, sort of talking about uh, things as well here, that um, when it comes to the the, the other drivers there that you know it is fascinating right because they did they, they did talk a bit uh, about that in um into in drive to survive like that whole kind of like saga there and we'll talk about um uh, about mclaren in, in a moment but i thought that whole thing when it came to you know the way that kind of shook out between fernando and alpine and the way that alpine was kind of left uh, kind of like hung out to dry and then not only by fernando but then also eventually by uh, oscar piastri as well it was just it was really kind of like crazy to, to watch. Okay, so going back to uh, Fernando now. So uh, 2013 was a year that we saw Fernando, or sorry, not uh, Fernando, but Sebastian Vettel win the world championship. That was his fourth and final one. So Seb won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about 10 races that year. I'm not going to count them all up, but uh, Fernando was the uh, one of only two other drivers, three other drivers to win that year. So he won two races. Lewis won in Hungary that year. Nico Rosberg won in Monaco and Great Britain. But Fernando, his last race win would have been the Spanish Grand Prix in 2013. He also won in China that year. So got to go back almost 10, like oh, pretty much a decade to the last time he won a, a Formula One Grand Prix. So whether or not he pulls it off uh, this year remains to be seen, but certainly uh, a podium is uh, nothing to turn your nose up at. So, Mark, uh, let's uh, you, you brought up uh, nicely uh, the examples of Alpine. You brought up uh, McLaren. Let's talk quickly about uh, Alpine. I thought that they were very disappointing uh, today. Um, I think that you got to give uh, Pierre Gasly credit because I think quietly he, he he drove that thing around and brought it home into P9, which I think is uh, pretty decent for you know his race in something that wasn't branded as a Red Bull and one form or another for the entire length of his uh, Formula One career to date. And um, I was expecting a little bit more from them. They, they were a little bit anonymous um, today. And this is a team that kind of, I think, snuck quietly into fourth place in the world championship. So I was expecting to see a little bit more between Aston Martin and well, maybe not so much Aston Martin because they kind of uh, leapfrog uh, a little bit uh, higher up, but I certainly expected more from, from Alpine, but Esteban Ocon, he was just a disaster today. I mean, first of all, he gets hit with a five second uh, penalty for not lining up in his uh, start uh, position on the grid uh, properly. And it, it was obvious when you saw the, saw the replay. So he gets a five second penalty for that and they were changing his nose. They started doing that before they were even allowed to. Um, you know, they have to wait the full five seconds before you can touch the car. So they get, uh, you know, smacked with another penalty and then he uh, you know, came in to serve that penalty and then got another penalty for ser- serving in the pit lane. There might have been one more on top of that. Eventually, he retires the car a couple of uh, laps uh, for, from the end. And, uh, you know, I thought it was uh, kind of uh, funny the way that, uh, you know, they, 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 they put uh, one of his uh, race, uh, you know, clips from the race radio up on uh, the, the feed there one point he's like oh they let these things go all the time why are they cracking down on them all of a sudden i'm just like you know sorry esteban but the last time i checked you know there's always been a speed limit the pit lane at least in living memory and then also the fact that you know if you have a, a five second or a 10 second or whatever however many second penalty you can't touch or do anything to the car until that five seconds or whatever it is is over so i thought that was uh, a little bit uh, kind of uh, interesting but yeah you know quite disappointing from them but i, I don't really want to dwell on alpine uh, more 
than uh, necessary, uh, Mark. I, th- I think that uh, we, we need to talk uh, about uh, McLaren because um, last year, I, I don't think it's fair to say that they were disappointing when it came to where they finished up in the uh, the Constructors' uh, Championship. And to this weekend, I mean, well, I mean, I know that they said that they they, they, they know that there's some issues in this car, but they feel that, that this car is more developable than any other car on the grid. And there's, there, there's got tons of potential, but they were just not in a good place. I mean, if you look where they started in, um, well, let's uh, look at uh, qualifying. So they were right down there. I mean, uh, Lando was uh, uh, P11. Oscar Piastri, he was P18, didn't even make it out of uh, you know Q1. And then uh, Piastri doesn't even make it more than a handful of uh, laps uh, before you know having to retire the car, which I, I think was probably maybe a little bit of uh, you know karma at hand. You know, I, I would have loved to be like a fly on the wall when uh, when Otmar Safnauer saw that uh, pop up on the on the race feed that uh, that Oscar Piastri I mean he's probably obviously uh, moved on but uh, from, from from that whole saga but just disappointing then Lando made what about five six pit stops in the end he had all sorts of problems with with the car but we called it the hype machine right and I feel that you know and and, and you do as well that they have done a very good job at uh, really polishing themselves and really pumping them up uh, to, to be like this, uh, you know, maybe not quite like a Mercedes or a Ferrari or a Red Bull, but definitely the best of the rest. And the sponsors, by and large, have bought it. I mean, you look at that McLaren, it's decked out in Fortune 500 companies. I mean, Chrome, Google Chrome has the the spot of honor on the side of the, uh, you know, the, the, the engine cover there. But I mean, the results last year weren't great. You know, we had the, the high profile and sudden departure of former team principal Andreas Seidel over the winter. And, um, you know, just not a good look for them today. I mean, there's still obviously 22 races to go, but I saw very little from McLaren on Sunday to walk away with uh, anything other than some very negative vibes. Mark, take it away. Yeah, I don't really have a lot to add on the McLaren piece. You and I talked a couple of weeks ago about the fact that at the car launch, Zach Brown was playing down expectations. I made that whole analogy, but that's, that's just smart business. You know, play down the expectations of the analysts. So when you come out soft, you don't get crushed in the media, but they, they weren't soft. They, they were atrocious today. And I really, I really wonder now in hindsight, what the motivating factors were for Oscar to, to leave Alpine. And I get it. The, the Enstone facility is not great. It's a little bit older. They need, they desperately do need a new factory. Uh, I just, I just, I can't understand why he would make that move unless Zach Brown and the McLaren team had just this phenomenal next level sell job hype machine. to get him there. Yeah, the hype <laughs> machine, right? Like they just show him a list of all your sponsors. You've got Google on the wheels, you've got Coca-Cola on the on the on the sides of the the side pods. Like I just I don't get it. And again, there's still room, but again, when you make comments like this is the most this could potentially be not you, but when McLaren make comments like this is a very adaptable car and it's got lots of room for growth. That's just code for the fact that it's underdeveloped and you need to own the fact that this car is, (laughs) is underdeveloped. And just as we used McLaren and, or just as we use McLaren as a comp to Aston Martin, I think you need to use Aston Martin as a comp to, to McLaren, because again, McLaren is another, another Mercedes power unit uh, base team. So they have the exact same power unit. So the cars, um, I don't want to say not power to weight ratio is not the right term because all the cars have to weigh the same, but it's going to have the same center of mass. Like 
if Aston Martin can pull this off, like theoretically, if you have comparable resources and you function under a cost cap, you should be able to do the same. So very, very disappointing to see where McLaren finished today. But my friend, I just realized we're sitting here at 44 minutes. We haven't even mentioned Ferrari yet. Yeah, well, I just wanted to bring up uh, one more uh, point uh, about McLaren. We'll jump into a a quick break and then we'll uh, talk about Ferrari to bring it home, bring it back to the pits. Uh, That'll be our cool down lap uh, for tonight. Anyways, uh, just uh, addressing your comments uh, about uh, McLaren. So this is a team that uh, we know has been pretty upfront and and clear that they know that the car isn't what they want. They're really they they've really gone all in on this upgrade package that's going to come at race four in Baku. You know, several weeks uh, from now, Andreas. Uh, sorry, I was going to say uh, St- <laughs> Seidel. I'm starting to get mixed up uh, between the former and current team principal. Andreas Stella uh, said, uh, "Quote: When we say fixable or unfixable, we need to be clear about what we're talking about." The main limitation we, that we have at the moment is aer- aerodynamic downforce. Obviously, we can improve the rate of development in the car by having better infrastructure, by having more workforce, and this is why we are having the investments that are ongoing now at McLaren. However, I think that for the eleventh of talent and availability that we have in McLaren already, we can recover and we can outdevelop the other teams because what we see in development right now is very alive in terms of development, or pardon me, is a very alive car in terms of development. End quote. So, like you say, Mark, this is a car that wasn't fully, dis- you know, it, it wasn't where it needed to be when they hit the track for winter testing, and certainly not by the beginning of the the, the year. So. Anyways, take it where it is. Uh, it is a bit uh, disappointing. We'll see where they uh, end up uh, by the time we get to Baku, but it could be a bit of a bumpy ride until then. Anyways, time for another quick break. We'll come back. we got to talk about Ferrari, and we'll do so in just a moment, so don't go away. All right. Welcome back. So yes, we haven't forgotten about them, but uh, perhaps one of the, uh, one of the teams that obviously is absent or, you know, conspicuous by their absence is uh, Ferrari again. <laughs> well, Charles Leclerc was one of the uh, only uh, few cars that weren't classified at the end of this one. And his uh, teammate, Carlos Sainz faded, uh, you know, quite a bit and was quite a bit off uh, the, the, the pace, not even making it home onto the podium. Hammy, kind of more of what the, what we've seen from Ferrari. Maybe their strategies and the call on the pit wall wasn't as horrible as it was, uh, you know, last year. But we saw some problems with the car. But even before Leclerc retired, you know, the, there was an estimate that they're at least a second off the pace when it comes to front runners, Red Bull, and after one race. I don't really see a lot to be very or overly confident in Ferrari. You know, bearing in mind, it is a long season and there's a long way to go. But I just kind of felt like it was a bit of Groundhog Day today. I I felt like, yeah, we've seen this movie before. And I really felt frustrated by that because, I, you know, as we talked about a couple of days ago on on the weekly show that, of course, you know, new team principal Fred Vasseur, he came in so late during the off season. Of course, the amount of input that he's had onto you know into the design of this new car is, is minimal. But you know he can help out and really make his influence known on the pit wall with the strategy and everything you know behind the scenes. But still, having said that, even though that the the stuff off the track was a bit better today on the track, the results were fairly on par for what we've seen at least since about you know a third of the way through the twenty twenty two season mark your thoughts on the on ferrari right lap 41 of 57 leclerc seemed to be in a reasonably comfortable podium position 
before he seemingly lost power, not hydraulic power, but seemed to lose the electronics and the drive and the power unit. He pulled over. And again, it was this crushing moment that we saw all too many times last year. And the story, as it's been explained since then, is that overnight, on the Saturday night, Ferrari discovered that the power store, which is just a fancy way of saying the battery plus the associated electronics, the, the battery didn't discharge properly. So they ended up having to switch out the battery store in his car before the very first race. So he's only got one more. And after that, he's going to take a 10 place grid penalty, which isn't an ideal place to be in. So they swapped <laughs> it out. And then seemingly that is the component that failed, obviously cost this team a host of points, potentially cost Leclerc a podium. I'm not necessarily sure if he would have held on because obviously Alonso was charging and we saw the significant degradation that Carlos Sainz was having in his car, which is, of course, what gave gave Alonso the ability to sneak past him. Well, not sneak past him, race right past him. But again, super disappointing. And if you're a Ferrari fan, if you're a member of that team, it just must be an absolute gut punch. One, it's it's kind of two-pronged, right? Which is one, like you said, they're a second off the pace of Red Bull. They finish, what, 40 plus seconds off of the pace of Red Bull at the end of this race. And then you have another self-inflicted DNF. And if you're Charles Leclerc, how many times is this? And it's like not like he's got anywhere else to go, but ultimately it's crushing and it's it's just a, a absolutely, uh, I'm, I'm struggling for words here, but it's a morale destroyer for the team, for everyone in the garage, for everyone back at the factory and for your driver. And I think it's it's awfully hard to come back from that. Like obviously he didn't just lose the championship, but to be in the frame of mind that you're going to score a podium on a day where your primary opponent is running away with the race, like that's something, that's something to hold on to. You get that trophy, you get to go up to the front, you get to be in that sh- kind of shower of fizzy water or rose water that's that's something but to to dnf again man is just absolutely shocking oh yeah absolutely right and you know you could just hear the disappointment and the frustration in his voice like over race radio when he pulled off to the side of the track and it just seemed so I wouldn't say predictable, but almost expected that something was going to go wrong for them at uh, at some point. And, you know, I mean, with Carlos Sainz, it was just, um, I mean, he just really wasn't there. I mean, he was very scrappy at the start of the race, as Charles was. I mean, the, you know, what with uh, with uh, Perez getting off the line as slow that he, he did, but... You know, I mean, once the race kind of like was a couple of laps old, they just kind of like, uh, you know, sort of settled in and that's uh, kind of uh, where they went. Anyways, um, Carlos had to say that the pace of the AMR 23, which when he was talking about uh, just the, uh, well, I guess about everybody else who wasn't driving a, uh, a Ferrari, said uh, he was very concerned about uh, the pace of the Aston Martin. And then he went on to say, quote, I wish uh, that as soon as we go to the other tracks where we cook less of the, the rear tires, we can hold on better. It's clear that their car has uh, something, both the Red Bull and the Aston, where they degrade a lot less. If you look at Mercedes and us, we have very similar degradation. The other two cars, for some reason, they don't degrade. It's something we will have 
have to look into, analyze, and see what we can do. End quote. So, um, Carlos Sainz, uh, you know, putting like the the issues on lack of uh, pace and performance uh, today in Bahrain uh, solely on uh, tire degradation. And, um, and it's funny that wasn't really brought up at all uh, during the race itself. But you know, well, let's uh, let's wait and see uh, what happens. Hammy, do you want to talk about anything else? I feel like we should dedicate at least a couple of minutes before we wind it up to, to Williams, because as I said, yeah, at the that top was of the show, exactly. I, I knew yeah. you were super excited. So I have, by the way, I have the first round of scoring for the Scuderia F1 podcast, Super League 2023. So I'd love to share that before we sign off. Okay. But I know you sure. are very excited. And again, I was a super downer about this. I'm like, I'm not giving flowers to Williams after <laughs> they've been in the basement for five years. But I, I think it's worth, no, and, I think and it's worth commenting so, on be, their performance Yeah, today. no, I, I thought that was a great comment that you made when we sat down and did our DTS reaction show with Seth, uh, what, what, about three, four days ago, whenever it was. And they barely featured at all, except for a couple of snippets of Yas Capito here and there throughout the entire season and and i think that was a fair comment mark i mean you you want to feature it all like even on a show like uh, dts i mean you need to do something positive i mean apart from alex albon's drive in australia last year where he managed the tires and brought it home what was it p9 or p10 that uh, that day that really was the highlight of their season i mean there, it was just it was pretty dire all around but uh, today in the points uh, on the, the the very first uh, go round, so you had Alex Albon in P10 and Logan Sargent. He was P12. I think you know Hammy for a team that has struggled for for years and years now, at least since what 2015, 2016, 2017. I kind of lost track. It's, it's it's been a number of years now. I think this is a you know something that they could really take, and and uh, I wouldn't say you know it shouldn't be giving everybody the day off tomorrow to go congratulate them for a job well done, but you know they they should be very satisfied with that. I think James Voles, the new uh, team principal, I think that's, I think this is probably as much down to a change in in the, in the leadership and 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 hopefully his influence after all those years at uh, Mercedes have uh, really um, you know are, are rubbing off. I mean, he did say in the last couple of days that he he figures that the, the the job at Williams is about what he expected. It's it's going to be tough. It's going to be one that's going to be uh, take years, not months. And you know, it, it was interesting. He kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit on that one and said that the problem that this team has had is due to a lack of investment and to too many changes in leadership over the last uh, several years and that, that's really you know I, I mean you have that that tumble down snowball effect and that's you know where, where they ended up last year and in previous years that wasn't an accident you know it, it just didn't happen overnight but it was it was the culmination of uh, uh, many things but it, it, you know, as we talked about it at the time, I guess about three months ago now, at the beginning of December, when they announced that uh, Yas Capito was not going to come back, as well as their TD, his name escapes me at the moment, that they were, you know, mutually agreed to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, part ways or however politically correct or, you know, you know, however they wordsmith that one uh, together. But I, I thought that Vols was a good, good sign. And I got a bit of a different vibe because, you know, it, it's not... This wasn't new territory for Williams to install somebody that was a former Mercedes employee as uh, the, the the team principal. We saw that, what, about four or five years ago with Patty Lowe, and that obviously didn't work. And uh, so, of course, again, as I've said with every other team that we've discussed, that, uh, of course, it's a long season, but... First race of the year, I think, is a great result for them and for a team that both you and I have a you know a very nostalgic uh, soft spot for. It was it, it was good to see, but 
Logan Sargent. I, I want to hear your thoughts on Logan. You know, P12. I mean, a bit quiet during the race, but I think that's a very, very promising result for a rookie driver. Shout out to the young Canadian driver, Logan Sargent, or Canadian if the F1 qualifying graphics would be to believe. <laughs> I don't know if I was the only one right? that picked up on this, but I'm just like, no, you weren't. That's really sloppy. That clearly they just, you know, it went to the, the graphics, their graphics engine, and found Nicholas Latifi backspace, 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 Logan Sargent, and never updated the the Canadian flag, but I, I think he demonstrated a significant amount of composure today. And and obviously Albon put in a, a very good performance as well. Um, and maybe maybe you and I have to start recalibrating our understanding of what the capability of that car is, right? Like we we had a flurry of of retirements today, but there were still a number of cars that they meaningfully outpaced today, which is which is really positive and and maybe this will be a really great driver pairing for them to move forward with but yeah it was it was great it's awesome to see a young american driver on the grid as as you and i have been hoping to see for a very long time and i think that given the fact that he's driving the williams car this was a dream debut for him an absolutely dream debut and he comes across as a great guy i i spent a lot of time listening to his his post-race interviews as well, because I wanted to get a sense of his tenor and his attitude, but he comes across as a, as a really good kid. And I know that seems very yep. cliche and I know that sounds very generic, but he's very, very likable. And I think that's important in terms of him getting the backing of the American sports fan um, and ultimately getting the backing of the American marketing machine that will inevitably come calling if he demonstrates even an ounce of success or manages to get into the points pretty consistently this year. Yeah. Okay, Hammy, uh, before we go, I'm going to wipe the slate clean here so you can close with the um, the, the first round of fantasy scores. So I'm going to do that uh, just by reading out the constructors and drivers as standings. We'll just go down the, the top five in both. And so the top of the constructors standings after one race in the 2023 Formula One World Championship, we have Red Bull with 43 points. Second is Aston Martin with 23 points. Third is Mercedes with 16 points. Fourth is Ferrari with 12 points. And Red Rounding out the top five in the Constructors' Championship is Alfa Romeo with four points. On the driver's side, leading the way, Max Verstappen, 25 points. Sergio Perez, second Red Bull drive with 18 points. Fernando Alonso from Aston Martin, 15 points. Carlos Sainz, 12. And then rounding out fifth in the Drivers' Championship at the moment after one race, Mercedes' is Lewis Hamilton with 10 points. So, Mark Hamilton, let's do over this. Let's to do you. this. So, let's do this. I'm number, pumped to hear. The final number yep. is eight. 159 entries, which is amazing. Wow. Thank you to everybody. That's, that really filled up in the last couple of days. It I mean, did. it's well down on last year, but considering how late they opened up and considering how many late entries we had, we had less than a know, week. Kudos to everyone. We had less than a week, yeah. which made it really, really tough. So to everybody that got out yeah. there, fantastic. Of course, we've got great prizes this year. I am currently, not that anyone particularly cares, but I'm currently ranked 216th with 271 points. But here is the top 50. So I'll make this very quick. We have two people tied at number one, Fire Ferrets and Long Ships at number three. Three FRDP F1, number four, Phil's F1 Team 2, also at number four, CDP Racing, also at number four, JHAM 0528, also at number five, Olay's Lena's, number eight, Pat Vent 2, number eight, Sausage Curb, number 10, Bum Bem, 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 11, Selma's Better Half, 12, Brooklyn Bagel Race Club, 13, Gentle Walter, 13, Tyson VO2, and 15, Stroud Racing. Uh, I'm going to say this one too. 16, 
Danny's leftover. Danny's leftover nuts. Okay. So that is uh, <laughs> that is our top 16. And hopefully we'll see lots of variation and change as the championship goes around because we want to make sure it's as interesting as possible. But shout out to Long Ships and Fire Ferrets for locking in the f- number one spot for the first race weekend of the year. I'll have to uh, take a look and see where uh, you know I've, I've lined up because, like uh, uh, you know, unlike last year, I did uh, you know actually field a team. But uh, if I'm not in the top five, not that I can actually win any of uh, the, the the prizes that we have. Are but you Mark BC if- guy? Is that you? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. So, oh, here we go. So let's see. Uh, let, let's see if I can figure out exactly where I'm at. I'm going to put it in. Are you Doctor uh, Marco's the- Funhouse? <laughs> Dr. No, Marcos yeah, anyways, I'm clicking on it. And of course, you know, it, it being as, as horrible as it is, it's it's not coming up. It should come up as a Scuderia Westwood F1 or something like Ooh, that. That's, I can that's find my you. team. So Apparently I can't, which might mean that well, you're I, out I'm, of the top 500. <laughs> yeah well, it that, only that shows up to on, the top it only shows the top 499 so it's possible that you didn't slot into the top 500 yeah it probably is because uh you know my, my team did not perform all that very well i, I think i'm going to dump lando norris I, I i bought into you know we talked yeah. about the mclaren hype machine i bought into the uh the, the mclaren hype machine and uh unfortunately they they let me down badly the, the, the this weekend anyhow right, buddy. enough said about that said you know i will won't bring in this you know personal stuff into this just yet unless i end up last then uh, you know, i'll curse everybody for you know, my mistakes but anyhow we'll, we'll leave it there mark thank you so much uh, for doing this tonight uh, we've got uh, i guess just a regular show coming up uh, this week in a couple of days thank you one and all for listening to our first re- race recap of the season if you want to get in touch send us a tweet at scooter f1 pod or email scooter f1 pod at gmail.com on behalf of myself and mr mark hamilton thank you very much uh, for listening to the show and we'll catch you again in a couple of days bye for now <laughs>